Amen. You, uh, you forgot my name for a second, didn't you, Kim? Were you praying for me? It's been a while. It's been a little while, so it's okay if we need to get reacquainted. Thank you, uh, worship team, for leading us so beautifully and wonderfully. It is so good to be back in the building. In a second, I'm going to get to I'm going to be able to see your faces, and that's going to be even better for me as we get the, uh, the lights. There we go, man. Oh, look at you. Look at you. Now, we were back in uh, November and December, but it's a little different now, right? The vibe is different, and there's no more starting and stopping for us. And I think one of the many things that we've learned is, is that we were taking some things um, for granted, and that doesn't make us bad people, right? It's just it's part of life. You, you learn and you realize some things that you didn't really thank God for um, that are not certain. And, and this, is, this is one of them. So, so many things, like I've seen some of the little ones running around this morning, right? You guys look great, but man, like a two-year-old, I don't even recognize them, a two to three or a five to six year, which for a lot of our church um, have not been together in a year. Kids change so fast, right? So we didn't miss a year, right? God has been active and our church has been um, a church, but it's been, it's been a struggle, as you know. So we're so happy to, to be back in the room, but it's not just us, right? I'm speaking to millions of people online, joining us uh, through the amazing world of streaming. You guys know, like, we get used to this, right? And I'm, a, you know, depends on, some of you make old jokes about me, and some of you are offended by that because you're way past me in age, but it wasn't that long. Like, even 20 years ago, we would have no options to do what we're doing, right? Just 20 years ago, pandemic hits, like we don't have, so God's been so good and, and we're learning day by day not to take anything for granted. You know, this series, it's cool that we're ending a series. I wanted that. I wanted to end our series called Walk today and then we'll get to where we're going next week. But with that, that's something, you know, when you have a, a little one, and some of you, we have little ones that are in the room for the first time, right? Newborn since all this happened. But when you're trying to get a kid to walk, and we think as parents, we can help them do that, right? And it's kind of on their own pace. And there's moments where you think, or maybe you didn't, but I did. Maybe I got the one kid that'll never figure it out. Like, they're just so uncoordinated. Every time they try, they fall. And like, they're never, maybe there's something wrong with them. We need to get them to the doctor. And then all of a sudden, right, steps happen, and it's walking, and then before you can blink, they're running, and you kind of miss the days where they couldn't get anywhere, right? As a church, we're learning to walk, and this series is the right series for us in this time. I think there's going to be some things that we're forever thankful for now that maybe we didn't think that much about a year ago, both corporately on Sundays and individually in our lives, and in this series is walk. It's just simple. It comes from a simple verse in Colossians 2, 6 that we've been unpacking the last few weeks. It says, therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Right? And if you were with us online, you know there's a little, there's a little action, some little dancing to that, right? So we, we were sowing and we were walking. We were sowing and we were walking. And in that, we just want to sit in, what does it look like to walk in him? That there's basically two biggest decisions of your life. And I don't have to know you today. Uh, this is what we pray for, man. This is what we're about as a church for the untold, unconvinced. There's this day where you make a decision, and many of you have, and I'm sure that some of you have not online and in the room, and we're so happy you're here. We're so happy you're hearing 
what we believe is the God of the universe speaking to your heart. And there comes a day where you decide not to believe in God. We don't, we're not big on believing in God. That's a pretty wasted phrase, right? There's not a lot of good that comes from believing in God. But surrendering and following Jesus is what you exist to do, and nothing is gonna make sense in your soul. There will never be peace. Believing in God brings no peace, but believing that you exist to follow and to live for and to surrender to a living God who came to rescue and adopt you through Jesus, that's why you exist. And we don't do it and we can't manipulate it, it's up to you and God, but we've seen it over and over in our six years. We've seen people make a decision, as this verse says, to receive Jesus. And we will never not celebrate that. But sometimes we overemphasize, well I don't think you can overemphasize that actually, but we, we don't give the same oomph to the second biggest decision. And that is the daily decision to walk in him. And what God says in the scripture is it's the same, the same excitement, the same fervor, the same passion. Man, somebody came to Christ today. We're going nuts as a church. But in the same way, just as we receive Jesus, so walk the daily grind. But it's not a grind. Sometimes it is. <laughs> to walk in Jesus, and that's why we called it Walk. Raph Gonzalez, our associate pastor, did a great job of unpacking kind of what that looks like in the day-to-day -day last week. And I'm going to close this Walk series out today. And to do that, I'm going to talk about two famous people. And I don't know how famous they are because they've always been famous to me. And they're, they're like famous if you look them up, but I don't know who's heard of them. So before we show the picture... Just raise your hand if you've heard online participate. Raise your hand at home, on the couch, whatever you're doing. Raise your hand if you've heard of Ng and Chang. I know you have. All right, we're batting about 10% in the room. All right, see, I never heard of them until I got to know, um, you know, I was dating my girlfriend, now wife, and, and her family. They knew all about Ng and Chang. They took us to their graveside. They, they like, and it was books, and it was crazy, and we'll get to that in a second. But let me introduce you. This is Ng and Chang. Later, they took the name, uh, the American name, Bunker, but that wasn't their given name. So they grew up in what we call Thailand now. It was at the time called Siam. Right? And they were conjoined twins, meaning they were born and they were attached. But unlike some conjoined twins, they had full body, full arms, full control of their limbs, but they were attached. They called it a band of flesh. Nobody really knew what to call it, but there was this thing right, that was just a few inches that connected them in this area. And it wasn't like it couldn't be disconnected. And back then they were scared to try to do a surgery to do. So, so from the get-go, Ng and Chang were twin brothers that were connected literally at the hip or a little above it. And we probably would have never heard of them, but there was um, somebody visiting over in what is now Thailand and they saw and they said, hey, we can make some money off these guys. So they brought them to America and they started doing exhibits and they even got in with P.T. Barnum and they were, they were like you would pay money to go see these two human beings that were attached, right? And they did that as, as young men and eventually they figured out we don't need the middleman. So they left their kind of their agent, the guy that brought them over here and they started doing their own tour, right? And they learned English and they became famous, Ng and Chang, and they made money and Eventually, they, let, they were up in the Northeast 
in New York, and eventually they came to North Carolina, right? And they were in Wilkesboro, and eventually ended up in Mount Airy, just a few hours from here, and they bought land, and they, they lived life, right? They actually, Ying and Chang, they actually, some of you are thinking, is this like a, is this a, no, this is real, like there's no punchline. This is Ying and Chang, they're real guys that God's going to help us learn from today. They, they got married, right? How's that work? Not sure. They married two sisters, right? So these sisters married Ing and Chang, and they had a um, house that was about, two houses about a mile from each other. So what they would do is they would do three days with Ing and three days with Chang, right? So the other one, right? So if Ing's at his house with his wife and kids, they have kids and grandkids. There's, there's tons of uh, ancestors today living in North Carolina from Ing and Chang and their marriages. So when they were at Ing's house, Chang just agreed I'm not going to really do or say much. I'm just hanging out. This is your time with your family, and I'm your brother, but I'm like, you know, you're in control. Like, you want to go to the park? We go to the park, right? And then three days later, they would go to Chang's house, and it would be the same both ways. Isn't that crazy? Like, I got a brother, right? I love him. He's a year and a half older than me, my only sibling. Um, I have not seen him in person. I don't even remember. Um, it may have been a year. It's been months and months. Uh, he's recovering right now. He's, he's doing well from Corona. He had a tough few days, uh, but he's doing better. He's in Winston-Salem. I love him, but I cannot imagine, right? We, we barely survived being in the same room for a little bit, right? I cannot imagine not being able to get away from him. I'm, we've all learned about ourselves. We did a mental health series, right? January, I still am learning from what God was teaching in that. And I know in a healthy way, healthy way, I need my alone time. It can get unhealthy because alone time can become isolation. I'm not talking about, but I need my alone time. I don't know what you do if you're Ying and Chang, right? Just, I would have to say to my brother, just, hey, can you just look the other way? I need some alone time, right? And pretend that you're not there. You, you had no options. My, my wife, um, threatened to do this. I don't think it ever actually happened with my three kids when they were in that stage of just being on each other's case and bickering all the time, right? I say that like it's over, <laughs> all right? But it was worse. It's gotten better. And, and she bought this shirt, this oversized t-shirt, and the threat was, okay, if you can't figure it out and get along, whoever of my three can't get along, you two are going to be in this shirt together for one hour. And you're just going to have to look at each other and hug each other and be close to each other. And again, I don't think we ever actually did that, right? We probably should have. We never actually did that. But that's nothing. This is two human beings that cannot their entire lives get away from the other. But they lived good lives. They lived, especially for the 1800s. They were born in the 1800s. In fact, Siam, which is now Thailand, the, the, the phrase Siamese twins comes from Ng and Chang. That's where the word comes from. And here's, you're thinking, wait, like I know it's been a while, pastor, but what are you talking about, right? We're in church, right? Not history. We're going we're gonna to use Ng and Chang and, and the visual of who they were to take us through this, therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus, so walk in him, comma, here's the rest of it. We heard it last week. Rooted and built up in him, him being Jesus, established in the faith. Rooted and built up in him. What does that mean for us in 2021? Rooted and built up is Ng and Cheng. They had the same, this, this, this thing that they shared 
right, which we'll learn a little bit more, uh, more about in a second. But this, this part of them that made them connected and one. And, and it says in Scripture over and over in different ways. Here it says we're rooted. So you have the same root. Listen, here's where we go wrong, multi-ethnic church. We think, hey, you believe in God. I believe in God. So we'll figure it out. No, we won't. No, we haven't. It's not about believing in the same God. It's deeper than that by a mile. It's about being rooted in the same Jesus. That's what makes you my brother. We have the same root and God is building us up connected in Jesus. Not a connection that I can walk away from when you're on my nerves. Not a connection that I can walk away from when your perspective or your suffering or your pain makes me uncomfortable because it's not mine. The same source of our life is Jesus. We're rooted and built up in him, which means for walk, that walking with Jesus never means walking in isolation, right? That's a tough word these days, isolation. We've had enough. We had enough six months ago, right? But just know, walking with Jesus never means you going and doing your own thing. Here's how we'll say it this morning. Walking with him means walking with them. Well, who is them? Them is you. Them is each other. Them are other people rooted in Jesus. You cannot walk. We've been talking for two weeks about walking with Jesus. Today, you cannot walk with Jesus. You cannot walk with him and then not walk with them, other Christians, other people, because you're rooted with the same root. You're built up in one thing, this body of Christ. Now, be careful who you walk with. Right? Don't, don't walk with just anybody. Don't walk with somebody who believes in the same God. That's, walk with someone who's rooted in Jesus. Right? Because we have so many complicated things in our culture because the name Jesus is put on all kinds of things and all kinds of signs and all kinds of stuff that has really nothing to do with him. Right? And sometimes we just don't walk with him. And then we become poor examples. Remember this, this kind of famous quote that's been around for a long time? Gandhi, who was not a Christian, Gandhi said, I don't remember what he said. There he said, I like your Christ, I don't like your Christians. Now, your Christians are so unlike your Christ. Gandhi, Hindu from India, Gandhi's quote was, if Christians live by the teachings of Jesus, then India would be Christian. That's what Gandhi said. Right, I think a lot of the same thing is true in Raleigh. Right, so, so, so be careful who you walk with, right? You, you, you don't, hey, you believe in God, I do too. Let's walk together. Ah, you, you gotta find people and church is a part of that and it's been harder than it's ever been. You gotta find people that are walking with the same root, like the core of their life. They're being built up in Jesus and part of your faith and your vertical is the horizontal of who are you walking with? Who are you trusting? Who are you being vulnerable with? Who are you being real with? walk alone. And I know, I know because I've been there. I've said it. I know how easy it is to say, pastor, man, I, I got this. I'm walking with Jesus. That's my thing, right? I like coming to church. I like doing this and that, but like this is a personal and private 
me and Jesus, personal and private, right? One out of two ain't bad. You're right on one. It is personal. It is not private. Nothing in our scripture tells us that our relationship with God is private. It is interconnected. It is part of a much larger, beautiful family that God is building. It is not just yours. It is connected. Later in Colossians 2, where we're pulling this walk verse from, we've been talking about for a few weeks, he references the body of Christ. And so many times in the New Testament, you see this phrase, the body of Christ. Why? Because it's interconnected. Right? It would be silly, and there's scripture that talks about how silly it'd be if the left arm said to the right arm, like, I got nothing to do with you. You do you, I'll do me. Right? That's cultural, but that's not scriptural. You don't get to go do you, and I get to go do me. We are connected more than we ever understand. And how do we know that? We know because a body, that's what, that's what God sees us at. Yes, he knows your name. Yes, he sees you as an individual. Yes, there is a piece of this where you're going to score God, and it's just going to be you. Yes, 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 that's all true. And we preach that and talk that, but we forget sometimes how interconnected and dependent and body and family that God says we are. And your walk is not just about you. Let's go back to our friends, Ng and Chang. So they're doing well and, and really well. And then the Civil War comes. And like a lot of people, they, they struggled financially. So they ended up doing another tour. They'd retired. And they did another tour. And they went overseas and, and made money and they tried to find a doctor that would separate them. They wanted to find a doctor. Like they, they did amazingly. The more you study them, the more fascinating it is how well they did making this work. But they wanted to find somebody that would let them have their own bodies not attached. But no doctor would touch that. It was too risky back then and, and they couldn't find anybody to do it. And in that, Ng specifically, he really started to struggle as he got into his 50s um, with the the life and where they were at and kind of coming to terms with, hey, I'm never going to be not separated from my brother. And he started to drink, uh, to drink pretty heavily. And, and they were so um, studied, right, when they were alive. American doctors, they, there's all kinds of research. And th there's one story of a doctor um, like poking and, and, and prodding them in, in the thing that connected them. And it, they, they both hurt. But the more they would come this way, it only hurt one. The more they would go that way, it would hurt the, hurt the other one. But in the middle, it hurt both of them. And, but yet there was other things that they could, they could taste each other, like uh, you know, when one had this. So, so one of them drinking had a negative impact on the other. And eventually, uh, Ng started to uh, deal with some paralysis. And they came back to the United States. And his health uh, continued to deteriorate over the next two or three years. And in January of 18... 74, Ng died, right? And this, this, I'm sorry, Chang died, sorry. Chang died, and in this moment where Chang is not breathing, Ng is breathing and alive, and his first comment when he realized his twin brother had died is, I won't be far behind. Two hours later, Ng died. Right? And there was autopsy and it was all kinds. And for decades, man, there was opinions and research about people thought that Ng died in horror and, and pain, you know, emotional pain of seeing his dead brother right beside him. 
right? But the, the longer they studied it and the more research and kind of science caught up, now what we know, right, and they knew this years ago, is that there was something in this band that connected them. There was actually arteries running through there. They were sharing and exchanging blood through this pouch band of flesh that connected them. So when Chang died, blood flow stopped going back and forth, which two hours later killed his brother. Now, 147 years later, we're not physically attached. In a few minutes, you're gonna go where you go, I'm gonna go where I go, our online family is probably gonna sit where you're sitting, right? And in that, we can be deceived that we're really not that connected. I think Ying and Chang is a physical representation that's very close to biblically what God calls his church to be. The attachment, and what attaches us, we got the blood of Jesus, right? The arteries that, that the source of life is the blood that came. How does the blood, because that's weird when you say the blood, you know, what, what are we talking about? We're talking about the inability for us to get back to God, the, the lack of holiness, the lack of righteousness that we would ever have on our best day, and God, knowing that, loving us, having a plan, sending Jesus, because his blood would be the only thing he gave gave his life so we could not just be saved, so that we could be his family. That we could be rooted and built up in him. And if I'm rooted in the same Jesus you are, and if I'm being built up into the same family that you are, then we are connected and Jesus is what connects us, which means in our walk that your, your walk impacts my walk. And my walk impacts your walk. And as much as what Ng drank affected Chang, what you do this week affects the body of Christ. I don't know if I ever knew this. I don't know if I wasn't listening or what. Like, I didn't know, I thought it was all personal responsibility. Like, let me go do me, you go do you, and we'll kind of see how we do when we get done. No, I can mess you up. My decisions, my faith, my sin, my consequences, but not just on the negative. I can bless you, and you can bless me. We are not disconnected individualists. That's the American version. That's not what it is. We are spiritually connected by Jesus. And how you walk and how I walk affects way, way more than I think we ever want to admit. And I think that's what makes it so hard this last year. And it's okay to be in mourning of what has been and what we have lost because the church of Jesus is supposed to be in community and that's never been more difficult. With the, the news, and, and I'm so thankful that we're not talking about a funeral for Tiger Woods, but you saw a couple weeks ago with his horrible accident. But in that... Right, his legs have been shattered. He's gonna to have to relearn how to walk. The very basic movements, he's gonna to have to relearn how to walk. I think, I think we're gonna to have to embrace church. We're gonna to have to relearn how to do some things. It's okay 
right? You know, when, when we've been through trauma, we're not just going to pick back up. March 7th is not, all right, back where we started. We, we don't even know where we are. We're going to have to relearn how to, and maybe relearn in a way where we're better than we ever were. Maybe our next step is walking with Jesus, It's all, but also realizing that when we walk with Jesus, how we walk affects everybody else and how they're walking, and we're way more interconnected. And that's what's been, it should be hard, right? A pandemic on a church should be hard because we're not able to fully live and do what God intended us to do. And I know we're not out of the woods yet, right? I know it's not over. I know we got people watching online and you're between vaccinations and you're so close. We got other people watching online. It's gonna be months before it's smart and safe for you to be anywhere out in public and we're gonna be patient and you're part of us. I know we're not out of the woods yet. You see what I did there? I was talking about Tiger Woods. Then I said, we're not out of the woods yet. You like that, honey? You're like, all right. So, so I, I acknowledge that, but I'm just saying, I'm not gonna hide my excitement that we're closer. We're closer than we've ever been to being out of the woods yet. And the new normal has the potential to be way better than the old normal if we learn to walk. This comes up in so many ways. Some of you um, that have been around, you've heard me talk, it was actually, it was actually uh, Kim Branch that, that gets the credit or the blame for this, depending on how you look at it, but she introduced me to the beauty of Marco Polo. It's an app, if you got your own app, that's fine, but, but Marco's changed my life, and in the pandemic, oh my goodness, I've been able to keep up with some people out of state, some people in state. I got, I'm in more Marco groups than, than anybody should know, right? But in one of those with some pastors, I was having a conversation, and it was a pretty raw conversation. Uh, we don't, it was unfiltered, and we're talking about prayer and we believe it, we believe it works, but, but the question was, do we believe, right, I'll take you three lovely people right under the camera, I'll take Ernest and Lisa and Chauncey right here, do we believe that this week if they pray me up, that, that Jesus will carry me better this week if they pray for me than, than if they don't? Do we believe that my, this week if God gives it to us, today's March 7th, March 7th through 14th, that my wisdom, that my encouragement, that my soul, that my peace, that my, that my life will be any different if these three go to God on my behalf versus if he doesn't? And the struggle with that question is, if God loves me, and I believe he does, and he wants the best for me, and I believe he does, and he demonstrated how much he loves me 2,000 years ago, not by a fairy tale or a church story, but by sending a real Jesus to die on a real cross and to defeat real death. If that's all true, why doesn't he bless me? Why, why is it up to them? Because like, they're forgetful. They got stuff going on, right? Why would my life be altered based on their faithfulness to pray for me? If God loves me, why does he just bless me? Because I'm asking for it. Why can they do something for me? Like, I don't need that. I want it to be me and God. And listen, God hears your prayers. Do not twist what I'm saying like, oh, I don't know. God hears your prayers. He answers prayers. He answers your prayers. You don't need anybody else. Yes, but... There's a whole nother world of prayer and God made it up and we call it all kinds of things, interceding, intercessory. There's a whole nother thing of prayer and it's only when somebody else prays for you. Why would God do that? Why would, why would God do that? It's so like, I need you. That's why. 
The father, the one, the, his favorite thing for us to call him is father. He set up a system of prayer where he hears our prayers, don't hear anything else, but he jumps into action and he does things in our lives based on your decision to pray for me and my decision to pray for you. Does that not make you want to shut this service down and go home and pray for somebody? You can affect somebody's life, weak, salvation. I don't even understand it all, but I believe it more than I've ever, ever believed it. You need me, and I need you, and our prayers. God jumps into action. Well, why does he just give me what I'm asking for? Because, one, sometimes you're asking for the wrong stuff, but more than that... There's this interdependence when we take the time. And, and I'm not talking about praying for you for a prayer request that's really about me, right? I pray that they would do this so that I can get what I want. No, when we selflessly take our time and our mouth and our heart and our faith and say, God, would you bless that marriage? Would you heal that child? Would you help her recover? Would you... Would you come near in her anxiety? Would you comfort in their loss? When we pray that, God moves. Bam, why? Because we're so much more interconnected and dependent. Prayer is not, a, it's not an individual sport. It's a team sport. We're going to pray like we've never prayed before. We said that back in, I don't even remember. We're still being a church. Becoming a church is praying like we've never prayed before. Be motivated. You know, when, when we preach on walking and being interconnected, it's so much of it in Scripture. So you, you've heard, if you've been around church, something. And a lot of preachers, and I've been the same, we, we like to use the same stories over and over, right? By the way, since we've had this pandemic, I feel like that's a reset. All my, you, you guys that were with us in the movie theater back in the day, all my favorite old stories, like, they all, we were starting over, right? You haven't heard those, right? I get, I get to go all the way back into my back. Anyway. Um, as we tell the same stories, we like to talk about a three-legged race, right? That's just a great example in modern day because some of you, most of you, back in the day, I don't know how, what it is now. We called it a day. Remember that word, right? That's, I don't know why, I guess because we we're out in the field. But you had all these things and all these events and, you know, you'd keep score and grades against grades. It was awesome. Like, it was one of the best days, a field day, right? But I don't know how they came up with a three-legged race. I got some guesses. I think it was some really unathletic, slow people. It's like, hey, how can we do a race where slow people can win? Oh, we could tie people's legs together. Right, and then it'll be about who can work together and, and the fast people will just fall down and, and, and on their face. So they came up with the slow people race, the three-legged race, and it's a beautiful example, right? Because if, if it doesn't matter how fast you and I are, if we're not going in tandem, we're not gonna win the race. So we use that, preachers, we use the three-legged race. That's how we should live life. The problem is nobody lives a three-legged race. You go to an event, you tie your legs together, you run for 60 seconds, and then you untie and you go back to your life. I think Ying and Chang, is a much better visual, right? And I don't want the physical, you know, attachment, but spiritually, I think it's a much better visual because we cannot unattach. It's not an option for the body of Christ. And if you go into this week, students, 
college students, single people. If you go into this week believing that your life and your faith and your week affects much more than just you, it will change you and it will change us. We're a gospel-centered, forever-focused, multi-ethnic movement. That is more true in us than it ever has been. And this pandemic has only reinforced, it's been hard in a ton of ways, but there is no doubt who we are and what we're called to be as a church. So I want to look at that verse. I want to end this series with what does gospel-centered, forever-focused, multi-ethnic look like with this verse that we've been sitting in now for three weeks Colossians 2, 6 and 7. All right, let's start with the gospel-centered part. Right, it means we're centered on the gospel. Right, that's what, that's, we're trying to put the gospel on display. It's, it can handle that. And the gospel is, is that we can receive Jesus. How, how can we receive Jesus? Because he, God came for us and did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. Right, and all those beautiful things. And And in that, we haven't talked a ton about the end of the verse. It makes us abound. We overflow with thanksgiving. No matter how bad things are, we're always dripping with thankfulness because of what God did for us and who we are in him that never changes. So we're always going to be centered on the gospel. And and just let me give you this promo because I am am more excited about the series we start next week than, than any series, maybe ever, right? We, we, We lose an hour of sleep next Saturday night in the middle of the night, Sunday morning, and I'm so glad, right? Because I can't wait to get here and preach and start this message next week. So I, I, usually I'm not. Usually that's a tough Sunday, the losing hour Sunday, but next week it just can't come quick enough. It's called Losing My Religion. That's the name of the series next week. And we're going to unpack the gospel, and we're going to, here's our little subtitle, and it's aggressive. If you like aggressive subtitles, this is for you. We're going to kick religion in the teeth. All right, that's what we're going to do for the next four weeks, ending on Easter. And why are we so aggressive? Because Jesus was, because he lived his life in ministry, and he constantly kicked religion in the teeth, and because religion is hurting people you love. It is hurting people you love. If you know somebody who's done because of religion, you got to get them either online to the website or in the room. So I'll start preaching of us, you know, what next week? We're coming to that. That'll be gospel-centered in that. Let's go. Forever focused. As we're talking about walking, what does that look like in forever focused? Well, we often talk about this day that's coming where we'll see Jesus. We just sang it in Psalm 23. We'd see Jesus face to face. Yes. But don't get, don't get it twisted that it's going to be you and Jesus hanging out in heaven. It's not. It's going to be you, Jesus, and millions and billions of others. It's going to be an us thing. And the, the scenes and the, 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 the way Scripture paints the end and forever, it's an us thing. It is the multitudes. It is living in a real city with a real Jesus in real community. If you're one of those people like, I love Jesus, but I don't like people, heaven's not going to be great for you. Because it's not going to be like, Jesus, can we just get over here by the lake and just get away from all the people? Like, this is what God's been waiting for. Some of you with with kids a little older than mine, you know how good it is when they move out and then when they're back under the roof and how sweet it is to have everybody together. It's that times a million for the God of the universe who created his people and his people rejected him and rebelled. And he said, that's okay, I've got a plan. And he sent Jesus so that we could come back to him, receive him, walk in him, and one day be with him with no... 
with no death, with no cancer, with no pain, with no sin. That's what he created us for. And he's going to love having you there, but he's also going to love having us there. Forever focused. And then what in the world on a verse like this, what does that have to do with multi-ethnic? Six and a half years in, let me tell you, it hasn't gotten easier to be a multi-ethnic church. Right? And even in the last year, it hasn't gotten easier. It's so complicated. It never, there's always something coming at us as a multi-ethnic church. We have to fight, I think, so much harder to work through some things. And it, it just always is lurking, issues of division and race. And even in this, as I was doing the research for this message on Ying and Chang, which some of it I knew and some of it I didn't, I didn't know this part. And I, I got to be completely real with you. There was a part of me that didn't want to even speak this. You don't need to know this part. But I think you do. Ing and Chang, when they came back, well, one, there was so much discrimination against them, partly because people were scared of them because they'd never seen conjoined twins, but part of them is because where they came from, because they were Asian in ethnicity. So they had all kinds of people coming at them because of their race and ethnicity. But even worse than that, when they settled in Mount Airy two hours from here and they did really well and they were accepted in that society, they owned slaves. I didn't know that part. I'm not trying to cancel anybody, right? I'm just saying we can't leave that out because it still is relevant today because we don't deal with what has happened and is happening. We don't deal with that well. We're trying to as a church. We got to talk about things. We got to say we can't tell a crazy, fascinating story about Ing and Chang and what God wants to teach us rooted and built up and then just leave out the detail that, oh, yeah, when they did really well in the 1800s, even as non-white people, they bought people. And I know some will tell me, hey, you know what? You don't know what you would have done if you'd have lived back then. You know, let's just, you know, stop. Just stop. There is no scenario where anybody in any century that is walking with Jesus can buy people, sell people, own people, and work people and not pay them, but take the money that they would have earned and put it in their own bank account. And there was tons of people that were walking with Jesus that were the voices. We call them abolitionists. There was plenty of Jesus people that were fighting in the 17th, 18th, 19th, 20th century. Right? The, 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 wish there were more? Yes. But those people existed in all through century and all kinds of races in that. So let's not, let's not change what was. Why, why am I even getting into all that? Because it matters as we're trying to walk your Issues affect me, my issues affect you and where you come from and your perspective and your race. It's part of what we are as the family of God. And the reality is some of you have great grandparents that were slaves and some of you have great grandparents that were slave owners. Well, but that was then, that doesn't affect you. It doesn't affect, listen, most of you had parents and grandparents that did not go in integrated schools. Most of you have parents or grandparents that grew up in segregated schools. Well, that was a long time ago. Well, listen, none of you have parents and grandparents that grew up in an integrated multi-ethnic church. None of you. This is a first-generation thing in American history. 
And we got to figure out how to do and how in the world with everything that happens in the headline and who knows what's coming next week or next month. How are we going to get through this? There's one way to understand and believe that what connects and builds and roots us is Jesus, not a political party, not a political ideology, not a name on a sign, not a style of worship, not a color of skin, not an accent. The thing that we're rooted in is Jesus. And we don't get the option of going and doing our own lives and walking away when it gets uncomfortable. That's not his multi-ethnic church. Now we're walking with Jesus and he's rooting and building us up together. And we're learning what that's like every day and it's not always gonna be fun or easy or comfortable and we're in that. And if you're with us, you're with that. You're gonna be on that journey. Our best days are ahead. Why? Because we know what connects us. So if you've never made the most important decision in life, man, we are here for you. Stay with us in this series. We're going to see people come to Jesus in this Losing My Religion series. If you've made that decision, then every day you get to make a decision to continue to walk in him. And just know, as you walk in him, that walk impacts and affects more things and more people in the family of God than you can ever Imagine. Would you stand up and let me pray us home here, church? Father, I thank you for today. God, I thank you for technology. I thank you that we have part of our blessed family that we love and that we miss and that we wish that we're here and they can't be here or don't need to be here. We just pray for our online family and for those in this and for those working and ministering in our kids' area this morning and God, we just thank you for what today is. And God, I pray that we would walk, that we would walk so tight with you this week. But in that walking, we would believe that our walk affects our brothers and sisters more than we can even put into words, that what connects us is Jesus, that you are our source, that we are rooted in you, and that changes everything. God, I pray we'd be so motivated to pray that we would believe that we can actually change someone's life this week just by seeking and asking for your blessing and power in them and on them. God, would you prepare hearts and minds for what you're going to do in this next series? Thank you, God, that we don't need religion, that we just need you, our perfect God. And we pray and go and walk now in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll see y'all next week.